Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hope everyone's doing well. Just wanted to uh, do some quick house cleaning, let people know. Go to ChampagneSharks.com and you get access to all the links related to Champagne Sharks. You can go there and find it all. And you can find where we are on social media, our products, all that stuff. Also, Patreon benefits, which includes Discord server, book club night, movie night discussions, show notes, newsletter, and most importantly, bonus episodes. So definitely become a patron for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. And without further ado, here is the episode. Take care. Hey, Champagne Sharks. So uh, Vita had a good idea recently. I thought was pretty good. I mean, she had it for the end of an episode, you know, tradition where we talk about uh, things that we enjoy. So we don't just sound like Rory's hating on stuff. And I thought it was such a good idea that I thought once in a while, like, I still think we should do it at the end of every episode. But I thought it might be nice, like, you know, once a month, once every two months, whatever. We have just a whole episode talking about things that we're into. And it doesn't even have to just be TV or movies. It could be anything like, you know, anything that you just happen to like. So I thought that'd be a good idea. So we're trying that out. We have Vita and we have Kenny with us. What's up, y'all? What up, though? <laughs> I think he said he was making some red beans and rice. I don't know. I'm trying to be nosy. I didn't, he couldn't quite hear what Kenny said. And oxtails. Get it right. <laughs> and red beans and rice. Yeah, baby. You already know. <laughs> Yo, we were talking about uh, street stuff before the podcast started, and the price of oxtail in the street right now is crazy. <laughs> I heard. Yeah, that price is going up, man. That's uh, I don't eat any... oxtail, so I didn't even know until I was looking on the internet. Oh, man. Oxtail is good, but you have to have the right oxtail because some places sell it and it's all fat and cartilage. All fat and bone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. And they're I expensive. It, they're expensive but... as fuck. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a um first time, I remember the first time I had it because my church used to sell plates and um they usually have chicken plates or fried fish plates but this time they had oxtails I didn't know what oxtails were but it, I thought I, I think I thought it was something else when I got the plate and then I I fucked that shit up it was like over some rice oh my it was so fucking good I gave up beef and red meat at a uh, fourteen so after that I didn't haven't had any oh yeah I mean if you gave up. A- beef and red meat for health reasons and oxtail is one of the worst beef and red meats you can have because it's so <laughs> marbled with fat you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah, it really is that's i think that's the whole point too <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's probably why it's so juicy exactly yeah. so makes it that's why they so well. 16 dollars a fucking pack shit and it's like impossible to ruin like the it's like dark meat on chicken like the more you cook it it just gets softer and softer it's just really really nah, good people fuck up dark meat on chicken all the time Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I shouldn't say it's impossible. There's some people who can do anything. They can burn water. Like, it's like challenge accepted. You tell them something, <laughs> right. <laughs> you tell them something is unfuckable, they will be like, give me a minute. I'll find a way to do it. No, that's <laughs> yeah. so true. My cousin fucked up instant um, instant oatmeal and instant grit. And all she, had to do was pour, yeah. all she had to do was pour the hot water in the bowl. <laughs> and somehow we had grit soup. I don't, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, like simple, like can't even make Kool-Aid. Just simple instructions <laughs> with the measuring up and, it and you know what's like, fucked up they you know it, apparently that had had to have happened because remember they make the kool-aid that's got the sugar already added so somebody yep. fucked some kool-aid up mm-hmm. and the kool-aid was like you know we need to fix this people keep fucking <laughs> shit up 
that yeah, makes no sense. This is not idiot proof enough. We have to really make it unfuckable as possible. Uh, yeah, but uh, I'll let Kenny start because we were already talking about his positive thing uh, before we started recording. So we might as well just keep up on that. Uh, we we're talking about uh, Snowfall. Yeah. Oh, I was just talking. Mean, so I watched the whole thing. You guys remember, um, and I've probably said it on the podcast a couple of times that I didn't watch it. I didn't like it because of what, what I saw when I first watched it. I was just like, this is a bad representation of L.A. during the crack era. It's, it's a bad representation of the West Coast and the crack era. But then during um, Thanksgiving, uh, I was like, man, I'm gonna just sit down and watch this shit. And so I got past the first season. It was really the only first three or four episodes where I was like, okay, this is weird, whatever. But then I started noticing how good it got. And I was like, okay, now they're starting to develop characters and the writing is really good. And it is a good representation because I can remember what the crack era was like on the West Coast in LA uh, and Portland. And of course, this is pre-gentrified Portland, right? So I can remember seeing uh, like older cousins that had girlfriends that was fine. And the girl ended up smoking crack, smoked out like a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? And I can remember what it was like seeing how people went from selling weed to selling crack. It wasn't it, it wasn't a we go from selling weed to selling coke. No, it was like weed to crack. The only drug that you really the only hardcore drug you really heard about people selling back then was heroin. And that was like some nasty shit. Like you didn't see that. You saw the heroin junkies, but you didn't see heroin dealers because most of the heroin dealers were older people that wasn't a young person drug to sell you know what i'm saying it was usually old people you know what i'm saying be mr jb around the corner he sell hair around he's 63 you know what i'm saying like shit like that so when i started watching the show and i like what i like about the show is because i know a lot of people don't like damson idris am i saying his name right mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think so a lot of people don't like damson idris i think he's great in the show for what the show is asking for but he's not the one that people need to pay attention to is uh isaiah john's character he's who people need to pay attention to that brother right there is really good because what he exemplified for me was the way, like if you go to LA and you in an area you're not supposed to be, you'll run into a motherfucker like him. You know what I'm saying? A motherfucker that'll press your line for no reason. You know what I mean? Now, what that means, you figure it out when you get there. And where it goes, you figure it out when it goes there. You know what I'm saying? So I liked his character because he, and he's not even from LA, he's from Atlanta. But apparently, and I heard that, uh, I found out that Dub C from uh, WC in the Mad Circle, West Side Connection is a, um, is a person like a go-to on the show. So that's a person that who they work with. Yeah, he trained Damson in the um, accent. Like, Damson was right. assigned to shadow him. Right, And, and right. learn the accent. And Dub C oh, is... He has to be ahead. a pretty good actor to do that then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think he does a good job. I mean, I'm not an expert on L.A., so I can't say with, you know, assuredness that the accent sounds good to me. But I mean, it were. I mean, there's people who are from places that I don't know or even I could tell that's not the right accent, you know, and he at least fools my non-expert self. So I'll give him that. You guys would know better than me. But yeah, I mean, I thought he did a good job. Yeah, he did great. He did great. And, and, you know, the thing about it is, you know, with all of that, that's fine. But the environment that they represent, like I was me and me and T was talking before we started recording. I was talking about the idea of how they created him. Like he's from Los Angeles. Now, he's not from the east side because in the neighborhood he lives in, his next door neighbor is a fucking cop. You know what I'm saying? He lives in a two bedroom, three bedroom house. His neighbor is a cop. Like everything is normal. You know what I'm saying? He goes to high school. He's not involved. So, you know, his mom's got a job. His mom's got a really good job. You in know, the office, she's out there yeah. uh, uh, in the office putting people out. She worked for it's almost like she worked for the housing authority or something because she got to go check on people that's on Section 8 and stuff like that. But then what happens is he involves himself in the in the street game, but he's not really in it because he's just selling weed. And back in them days, who didn't sell weed? You know what I'm saying? It didn't start becoming a crazy thing till he started selling cocaine. 
right. And he was able to get into the game and hit fast forward fairly fast. Like he didn't have to start out, you know, getting fronted by somebody or have a little bit here. He started out with a, a brick of cocaine, but he had to figure out what to do with it. So, and this is the thing. They didn't do this show like they do Power, where everybody's selling keys of cocaine. Everybody's a killer. Nobody's scared of anything. Everybody then did time in jail. They're not afraid of nothing. No, this motherfucker's afraid. You know what I'm saying? He's afraid of what's going on because he's he's blind to a lot of stuff. So he actually has to go into it both feet, both feet in, but blind at the same time. So you see in the show where he gets locked up, he goes to jail, right? He doesn't even know how to function in jail. He getting his ass whooped. They took his shoes. But what that experience did was it made him a monster. You know what I'm saying? He knew. See, I didn't know none of this. Yeah. Well, you I'm only on the first episode. You got to watch the show. Everything. You got to watch the show. You got to yeah, watch well, the show. Well, I know. I'm watching it. I'm trying to watch it. Well, well I'll tell you. I'll tell you one thing. It's not that much of a spoiler because you it's know he's going to stay in the game in yeah. 80s crack era. He's going to have to level up. Like, my problem was I thought they were taking a little too long to get to that level up. Because I was about a ha- one and a half seasons in. And I'm like, damn, this dude dude is still fucking up and we're in the, in the second season like when is he gonna you know be that dude you know but and he was always scared to be too hard on people and he because was, he doesn't come from that he doesn't come yeah. from the gang environment he doesn't yeah, come yeah. from that you know yeah, so yeah. he doesn't he understand. was the kid that got bust out i did pick up on that yeah yeah he was yeah in the valley with the white kids and he yeah. was getting bust out that's where he got the coke sp- from but this is what i this is what i like about that show and um i'm gonna tack on one of my likes onto this uh onto this show which is narcos and i think uh narcos mexico and my thing about snowfall that i appreciated was how it kind of gave you the context of the era because that was the era when kids started getting bust out if you remember ice cube was bust out and that was around that same time right uh, uh, explain what bust out is for people who don't know oh being bust out so in la there was like this big movement i'm sure they had them all across the country so some of so this might sound familiar to a lot of other people but what they would do instead of fixing the schools in the black neighborhoods they would take kids from the black neighborhoods put them on a bus and then ship them out you know out to the valley which is predominantly white at least at the time was predominantly white um and they would go to these other schools with the white kids so it's essentially it's taking the kids from the city and busting them out to the suburbs the idea was that they would have an equal education and that they would um be able to um have more diverse schools out that way those they weren't shipping the white kids to black schools and they still wasn't giving black schools no money but that was like that era when a lot of a lot of people were doing that. I think in the 70s is when it started in California and LA because I know some people were bussed out to even Beverly Hills High School. And then they started opening up other charter schools on that side of town too, which like um, Pacific Palisades, for example. That's where Lauren London's from. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that's like a whole, that was an era in LA. So if you ever seen that movie um, Straight Outta Compton, Ice Cube was getting bussed from South Central out into the Valley, right? Um, that was something I appreciated in that show was that it was given the context of the era. And when what Kenny was just talking about regarding the weed and the transition to crack, Narcos actually covers that too. And it's covered around that same era. So if they talk about, and Narcos, honestly, I look up all the shit that comes out Narcos is based on a true story. And if you actually look up some of those incidents, a lot of that shit actually happened. Like, there's news Absolutely. clips. Absolutely, yeah. There's, no, new, it, there's actual news clips of these stuff, and some videos of some of this stuff. So that was literally the set around the same time. So what Kenny's talking about, that transition from weed to crack, um, was just as fast as he said. And it's also documented in that show, Narcos, where I think they do a good job of showing it from the drug dealer's side in Mexico. Because they were all weed dealers. They weren't, they weren't uh, crack or coke dealers. They were, they were just doing weed. In fact, Coke was 
Colombia. And they had to, and when Mexico started getting involved in Coke, they were actually becoming distributors from Colombian Coke. So, um, but before that, they was all getting, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They were all being uh, surveilled for weed sales. And that's what they were, they were burning down their farms. America was burning down their farms and all that type of shit. What Vito was saying is, is the truth because back in those days, you know, when you, you know, the weed today that people are smoking ain't shit compared to what it was in the 80s. I mean, the, the weed today is like crack. You know what I'm saying? The weed in the eighties was like dirt weed. You know what I'm saying? You can get some good weed or whatever, but Acapulco gold and chocolate tie and all that kind of shit, man. You, I you, mean, back you, then the port, well, not even just back then, even so recently, like, like when I was growing up, uh, we were something that you could smoke for the whole day. You know yeah, what I mean? And still yeah, be functional. Yeah, like, yeah. um, uh, like people see Jamaica and say, Oh, people in Jamaica smoke mad weeds. A lot of no, weed don't. people don't realize people there. It's like a way of life. So you have to yeah. be able to smoke it. And but you're not supposed to, to uh, Rastafari, as a Russell friend, you're not supposed to smoke weed just to be smoking. Yeah, yeah. You know? You're still going about your day. You're still doing stuff. You're not smoking weed just to uh, be on a couch like like numb. You know what I mean? Like like right. you're still doing stuff. You're making music. That, that wasn't the point of smoking. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed yeah. to smoke when you're relaxing, when you're building with your friends or your family and you guys are, you know, doing your thing. It's not, you got to smoke before work. You're going to smoke at work on your lunch break. Then you get home, you got to smoke. No, that's not, the, that's not what it's meant for. Uh, uh, no, but even if you smoke during work or whatever, you're smoking not to the level where you can't function. You know what I mean? Like people want to, in America, want to smoke until like they are obliterate themselves you know to outer space you know i mean that's a big difference as well so it's like when my american friends went to jamaica they were went back home and they told my jamaican friend they're like yo the weed there wasn't crap and my jamaican friend was saying no like over there you smoke and then you run your errands and you pick up your kids and you have like a full life like you know yeah, but yeah. but you guys are used to that american stuff where they just keep refining it and yeah the medical grade stuff like forget about it you take a hit and you're seeing demons and hallucinating oh my goodness you're, you're a fucking zombie a, yeah yeah you're like a zombie so yeah like now it's oils it. you know what i'm saying now you gotta smoke oils and oh there's something called that there's something called dab. That's what a yeah. That's what a dab is. Oil. Yeah, I see. I see people take dabs. I'm like, man, that just looks really hardcore. Like the people <laughs> are like knocked out. It doesn't even like look a heroin hard. addict these days, man. Yeah, like having a psychotic break. Like I told somebody a story once where, um, I don't know if I told you guys a story, but one time was chilling out with some people and somebody gave me this woman gave me a, uh, a hit of her weed and this woman's like a professional woman she's um you know has a job and everything and does a lot of stuff and you know we were talking i took a hit and then i swear dude i almost had a psychotic break and i was like yeah. bitch bitch this is your everyday walking around weed like this is your like this is not even your sit in the house this is your walk around and i'm like that is crazy you must be just smoking that much that uh you know for this to be Come your, your every day. Like I was like, how am I gonna get home? That actually crossed my mind, and I was good on weed for like a while after that. After that one, like, like you can't be using this. Uh, but but what I was saying about him taking like too long to level up. Like I kept thinking, okay, so a season and a half, and I get it, it's realistic, but they're gonna need a time skip or something. But at the end of season two, even if it was a little bit rushed, they uh delivered when he went to jail. Once that happened, I felt like they caught up to where they needed to be because I'm like, I get that it's interesting and good, but it's only so long I could take of him learning learning the ropes. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And, but I mean, you know, I, I get it because, you know, with trial and error, yeah. you know, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. I mean, he got robbed, which yeah. really, is, when you were square, is really going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, everybody goes through it. That's what I liked about it. I mean, it sounds weird because it's like, I'm, I'm saying, 
like I like seeing him get his ass kicked. But no, no, no but it made it believable. It. It's it believable. Him... I've heard yeah. worse. I've heard people that tried to sell drugs and got killed. You know what I mean? They just didn't even know what the hell they was doing. And because they're not from that life and they ended up going into areas in L.A. and different areas just end up getting killed. But it made a lot of sense. It made sense why where he came from and what he was trying to do was like oil and water. It didn't mix. But he made it mix. Yeah. And, and I think what helped was that they didn't push it into the third season. Like, I think that would have right. been too much if they were like oh, halfway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like to give an example, but with a totally different show, totally different show. But the same thing, like the show Insecure, she was kind of immature and kind of stuck in these stupid, you know, um, kid games and dating mm-hmm. games Yeah, uh, for like the first season and a half. But I stuck with it. They didn't actually start maturing her till the end of the fourth season. Jesus and I'm like, Christ. okay, this that was the good- part. That was the reason why I didn't want to watch that show because it's it's just seemed like the typical Twitter female, like a person that just has no expectations for themselves. They just do whatever just to be doing it. It didn't seem like it was something that I would learn anything from. Put it that way. Yeah. And they tried to mature the characters, but they did it like way too little too late. And that's what I was worried about with like if he was still learning the ropes, like season three and four. I think that would have been too much, but I think right. that they shaped him up with uh, the end by the end of season two, but with the trial by fire, I think that was really. I think really they realized good. that if you if it take you this long to, to learn how to sell cocaine and that much cocaine, you either in jail or in prison or uh, in in prison or dead. Yeah. So he either had to hurry up and figure it out in the show because after a while, it's like okay, is this the show of him just fucking up the whole time? Yeah. You know what I mean? Put it, putting him in county, I think, was a good idea, and having Absolutely. that be his, be his trial by by fire. The other thing. I looked it up while we were talking and I was giving John Singleton a lot of flack, but he only wrote like the last episode of each season. And those were the best episodes of each season to me. So I guess I was giving him a hard time. But for for whatever reason, after he died, to me, the show got much better. And I'm not sure why that is, because I assumed he was writing more of the show, the way the show changed so much. But he really wasn't. But maybe... He always planned this, but he died before he got to the good part. You know, like maybe it would have been this good if he survived, but he just happened to. um, That could be that could be it, too. Two things can be true. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Uh, I'll say something else about the show, too, that I I liked was um, everybody. I like that they didn't do too much presentism with the music, because one thing I remember growing up in the 80s was like I'm from New York. So by 82, 83, Rap was a full-fledged part of the Black community here. But when I used to travel to different places, like I used to go to St. Louis and go to different parts of the country, and I would play, like, rap for, like, friends or cousins my age who weren't from New York, and they would, like, turn that shit off. No, no, you see, back then, you got to remember, back in that those days on the West Coast, specifically in L.A., 1982, 83, 84... Rap music wasn't a, a thing. It was funk. You know what I'm electro, saying? It's the electro yeah. uh, Egyptian lover. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And they played um, some Egyptian lover too. I thought it was absolutely. very Absolutely. They play a lot of Egyptian lover on, on that show. Um, and you'll see it more as, as you get into the other seasons. They play a lot of Egyptian lover. A lot of that electro, what I call, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, they have that album called Tour de France. Um, fuck. I, know, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know what you would call the actual. Craft work. Crap yeah, work. yeah. Crap uh, there's a lot of Roger and Zap playing and Parliament and different things like that. And I kind of like that they don't try to make it more into rap. Than it wasn't throwing was. NWA in there in 1982. Yeah. You, know you might yeah. I think they might have played Ice T six in the morning, but that was around at that time. Yeah, that was it. Exa- exactly. And and they yeah, they played like a, a minimal amount 
of rap, it appears now and again, but they don't try to like fast forward. I mean, because nowadays they'll try to put rap songs in a western, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, I, yeah, was, yeah. I was watching um The Great Gatsby and they had a Jay Z song playing. Oh, yeah, 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 and dumb stuff like that. And I like that they're comfortable. I fucking hated that movie, man. I actually went to the theater to see that. Oh, god, shit. that movie was, was bad. What was the yeah. point? I didn't, I still to this day don't know what the fuck the point was. I don't understand why they want to set things in the past. And then make them the present. Like, why even bother? Just make a movie in the, based on the present then. Like, you know, I I, I mean, uh, some of the fans uh, call you Professor Presentism, but it really <laughs> is. It really is like the worst uh, trend that they have out there. And I and I like that. I like two things. They don't overcommit to the era either because there's always one or two trends. So you have too much presentism or you try too hard. So the thing looks more 80s in the 80s. Like you're overdoing People have Michael Jackson jackets on and all this stuff. They didn't do all that extra stuff. Yeah, I kind of like that, that they don't try to uh, sneak too much of the cool stuff from the future in there. Right, like, you know, right. they, they, they're comfortable sitting in the era that they're and it's, in. And it's good to let people hear the music that we listened to in the 80s. You know, Toddy T and, you know what I'm saying, Rodney O and Joe Cooley. You know what I'm saying? You might have heard of Easy. I mean, Easy and them didn't show up till 86. So by then, the crack era is in super fast forward. You know what I'm saying? We're still in 84, 83, 84. And he's in high school getting out of high school. You know what I'm saying? So we still got to stick to Egyptian lover, craft work, electro sounding shit. You know what I'm saying? Maybe yeah. uh, maybe some um, um, world class wrecking crew, something like that. But the rest of it is going to be Parliament, Zapp and Roger, specifically. Zapp yeah, and Roger. Yeah, Zapp and Roger in there. Groups like Egyptian. One Way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Groups like One Way and, you know, uh, Prince. Prince is big in L.A. That's a big deal back then. You know, uh, there's a, there's a bachelor, a bachelor okay. would have had a scene like this. Like one of their friends is playing some like rap and they're like, what's that shit? And then yeah. someone, someone's like, my cousin from New York sent it. And, and then yeah. someone will say something like that shit will never catch on, you know, right. And right. Like a wink at the audience and little Easter egg. And glad they didn't do anything like that. They didn't do that no. at all. Thank God they didn't do anything like that because it's almost like they, they call that foreshadowing. But yeah, he did. It's not needed whatsoever, because even so though th th this is the thing from what I can remember, because um, I have an older cousin who's 40, I think he's like 46, 47. He played rap music. Fuck, this is 1988. Right. So UMTV Raps first comes out and he used to play uh, Jungle Brothers and um, damn, it was something else he used to play all the time. But I remember it was Jungle Brothers was one. Even then, it was like even as young people, as kids, because I was seven years old. But even then, I was like, OK, whatever. It wasn't really. It wasn't really a big deal. We knew who Run DMC was. We knew who LL Cool J was, but it wasn't like, I'm going to go buy it. You know, it wasn't like that. You know what I mean? Maybe for the teenagers, but I was seven at the time. But for but when you got in the car with your parents, you heard Alexander O'Neill, Prince, Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. And then you heard P-Funk, you know, Zapp and Roger and all that kind of stuff. You didn't hear rap music like that because it wasn't being played on the radio. You know what I'm saying? So I believe L people in L.A. knew about it. It's just it wasn't in vogue. It wasn't popping like that to where, you know, we had to have that, you know. But, you know, um, I think in the show, they not only exemplify that, but you could tell that they're still coming out of the 70s by the way they dress. You know what I'm saying? Things are just a little bit different, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Because because Isaiah John's character still got a big ass afro. And and uh, I like the uncle character too with his uncle with his Jerome. jerry curl yeah. but i like that the jerry curl they didn't like like this i'm so used to it wasn't exaggerated yeah it wasn't exaggerated they didn't show a lot of scenes of him spraying it no you know, no like like no. soul glow like like they I always are, look at that as a low-key diss that's like a low-key diss to the west coast when i see shows doing that yeah you know what i'm saying because i don't remember anybody doing that ever 
You know what I'm saying? I never seen people being extra with a curl with a uh, curl activator bottle and a curl bags, and uh, I didn't see that. It wasn't yeah, real. I mean, it's it's different when comedies do it because they're yeah, exaggerating yeah. on purpose. Like we're coming like to Hollywood America. Shuffle. Right. Yeah, and Hollywood Shuffle do it. They're doing that because everything's exaggerated in it. You right. know, like like even the scenes where they're being fancy, they make fun of bougie black people. So that's different. But you have some dramas set back then that will be trying to overdo that stuff. And someone will be yelling at someone else. There was some movie, I forgot what it was, but it was set in the past. And someone was yelling at the other guy for getting curled juice all over his car right. and everything. And I'm like, okay, come on. If, back in the era, people weren't complaining about it because it was cool. Like there was no, again, I the presentism thing, you know. Yeah, a lot of presentism, yeah. But uh, any final thoughts before we move on to uh vita's uh, uh no i hey man i thought this, i think it's a good show i think i think if you if you want to watch something that isn't gonna uh crowbar a lot of today's bullshit politics and social media and all that, if you want to just watch a good show i think it's a good show it's not it's not <laughs> the wire i'm not gonna say it's the wire but i will <laughs> I let, say it's probably the next best thing to the wire that i've seen i think in some ways it's kind of better than the wire because one thing yeah. i say about the wire is that um, it's a very good show, but this show feels more um, authentically black. I mean, in that it's trying to... The Wire is trying to cover a lot of different perspectives, like the white perspective and the black perspective. Whereas what I like about this one is very black and Latino uh, focused in a way. Like, like, like there's a white guy there, but he's not... He ain't ain't the saving white grace. He's actually a piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you know, I like to a lot of these drug things have the drug dealer be a total piece of shit and the cops yeah. be good or it makes the drug dealer into a Robin Hood and the cops are assholes. But this one, both the drug dealers and the cops have their good sides and their bad sides. And that's how the LAPD is. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> that cop, he's not totally bad, but you can tell that he's kind of lost track of, you know, he's lost he's, hope. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he gets so caught up in the fact that there's drug selling in his neighborhood. And also they, I don't know if you noticed it, the way that the white cops treat him, he knows that they treating him like he ain't shit. And they know he knows that they really don't give a fuck about his community, but he's caught in between. Do I care about my community or do I become this dickhead cop with these white boys? And then I'm going to be seen as the enemy in my neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that's something that has to go through every black cop's mind, especially in Los Angeles, that. I do want to see my community become cleaned up, but I also know that there's so much corruption that it has nothing to do with the people that live here. It's bigger than this. So where do I fit in outside of just being a sheep herder? The last thing I'm going to say is that, uh, like you, I was not totally sold on at least the beginning of the first season. For me, it was like the whole first season. I was like, eh. For people who watch it, I would say stick with it. And by season three, when all this setup is all done, it's really, really pays off. And I wanted to pass it to Rita to share, you know, what she's been into uh, lately. Well, right now, I've been obsessed with making new recipes and learning some new shit in the kitchen. Despite what I joke about on Twitter, I actually do cook a little bit. And um, but I also like to make things as convenient as fucking possible because I'm not um, I'm not going to lie to you and say I'm Susie Homemaker because I really ain't. But I do like good food and I'm also broke. So <laughs> you have to learn how to make this shit. But the things that I love right now are these appliances. I have three appliances. Well, two, two appliances that I really, really like. And um, that's the Instant Pot and the Air Fryer. 
because I've recently discovered within the past few months that you can bake in the air fryer. Man, I've been baking cornbread. I bake bread from scratch. <laughs> I've been just killing the game on the fucking air fryer. Um, if you're a single person and you don't have like to feed a family, a group, group of people, it can be really, really convenient. It also doesn't have to, you know, heat your whole house trying to pre or wait to preheat an oven for however long. You can just throw that shit in the air fryer and start that shit up right away. Um, and it's everything's cooked faster too. So and still be good. So I made like, like I said, I made my breads in like um, five minutes, six minutes after I made the dough. Once the dough is made, I just keep that in the fridge. And as I need to pull some out, I'll pull some out, uh, make some bread, make pizza pockets, made breakfast, um, croissants, all types of shit. Um, that's, oh, the instant pot, the instant pot. If you don't have one again, you got to get one. It cooks shit so fast. I have Damn, to make you, took, you took one of mine. I, was, I had to scratch that off the list and think of something different. Go on, go on, man. Well, let's talk about it. <laughs> oh no, the instant pot, man. Like I basically looked up how to do, um, everything with it and and on amazon they have instant pot cheat sheets like it's a magnet and you put it on your fridge so you just look at what you want to make like chicken thighs and it just gives you it's not recipes it's just for a particular type of food it tells you what setting and what time oh, it's up I to you that. how you want to you know season it and prepare it so for example say i look up frozen chicken thighs uh solidly because this is another thing about Instant Pot, that's incredible. I don't know if you've tried this yet. You can take frozen meat and instead of waiting to defrost it, you yep. can just, if you use the right setting, you can put frozen meat, mix seasoning, mix some sauce, and then it'll cook and you won't be able to tell that it was made from frozen. So like, you know, sometimes you want to cook and you realize, oh shit, I forgot to defrost the food last night. Uh, Instant Pot's so good. It's like a little, it's like a electronic pressure cooker. You can even, um, like, like if you can remember to defrost, it's so preferable, but even not defrosting is not uh, gonna stop you and you can even make uh yogurt in it and stuff i've been making like homemade yogurt and all types of stuff like as long as you're willing to research it you can find just about anything uh a way to do anything on the instant pot they can even make pasta in it and everything oh, that's a lot what of I add-ons make. too I make pasta in mine. It's also a rice cooker. So people who don't like to overcook their rice or don't like to whatever, it also works as a rice cooker. I personally just like a rice cooker because I like having that shit in a whole separate (laughs) appliance and and off my stove and out the way. Um, And I don't have to think about it. Like you just literally just put it in there and don't have to think about it. Um, I make quinoa in mine too. Uh, Yeah, couscous as well. Only has to cook in a in a minute, but then you have to wait like ten minutes for it to depressurize. So those times kind of fool you because it'll say quinoa cooks in a minute, and it's true it does cook in a minute, but then you have to wait for it to uh, depressurize before you can open it. So it's well, really about like twelve minutes from beginning to end. But uh, well, so I'm the, just telling people that so they don't get too excited by those cooking times. <laughs> like, you know well, what with mean? the instant pot that I have, it has the um, you don't have to wait. It has an instant pressure thing. It takes like maybe a minute, if that. Yeah, uh, mine has that too. But for some recipes, and again, I don't know if this is true. They tell you to let it depressurize naturally, and some they tell you just uh, rush and do it. So I just follow. Oh, these, okay. So I just follow the instructions depending on no. the on the recipe. I'm finna get this cheat sheet though. I didn't even know this thing existed. So you just put me onto some shit. Um, yeah, yeah, cheat sheets are uh, pretty good. So those are the two things that I really like um, as far as cooking. Um, Anything I'm reading right now that I would recommend? No, there's a podcast called Gangster Capitalism. So if you're a nerd like me and like documentary style shit, I like things that are exposés. I like stuff about um, cults or multi, uh, what do you call those things? 
like Herbalife, what do you call those things? Multi-level marketing schemes. Oh, yeah, and shit. yeah. There's a bunch of those. A so LuLaRoe documentary. There's an Herbalife documentary. Um, there's a podcast called Gangster Capitalism. They have one about the NRA that's really interesting. I'm listening to one now about Jerry Falwell Jr., um, who is the president of Liberty College, the biggest Christian university in the world. I think it's like the biggest religious university in the world. But yeah, so those are really interesting. So I like all that kind of shit. Oh, I think I talked about a podcast last time called Buried. Well, there's another one called Dead Asleep. Again, it talks about um, the brain a little bit. If you're interested in the brain and how it works, but Dead Asleep is about a guy who killed his, allegedly killed his uh, roommate and best friend um, in his sleep. And mm. yeah, it's pretty interesting. So it's, it's about the case. Um, so the defense has one argument. The prosecutors have another argument. Um, both are bringing in experts. So it's really interesting and fascinating to see this stuff. I think Burry probably does an even better job because the focus really is on understanding trauma. But this one's really interesting because it's showing you the importance of sleep and also understanding sleepwalking and what, what can create that phenomenon um so i highly recommend stuff uh, i recommend that so that one's called dead asleep it's on hulu i think that's most of mine that i can think of right now i um was sitting around trying to think of things that i like because you know in the pandemic i've been watching a lot more uh tv and stuff than be and reading stuff than before and you know people always say oh you don't like anything but when i was thinking about it i was like wow actually there's a lot of stuff that i liked um one of them was i read this really bad book it was called the other black girl and it was really bad we reviewed it um last week's episode and as a palate cleanser i'm like i just don't want to try any new books for a while because like i don't try a lot of new stuff to hate it i think people think i'm trying new stuff just so i could find something to hate and bash but i'd be trying to go into things with an open mind and just a lot of this new stuff especially the black stuff would just be bad so i said you know what let me just try something that has a good reputation and is old so i can just get like a palate cleanser from like how bad this book this book was like this book it would have filled up the whole bingo card that we have if i had the bingo card up oh wow i mean like page three had an octavia butler mention and for the record when i talk about the octavia, octavia butler thing i'm not bashing sci-fi and octavia butler and saying that she's bad i'm just saying that these people engage with her in a superficial name droppy way so i just want to make that clear because some people someone on twitter and and actually Vita, you saw this like like someone was, was complaining about the bingo card they're like are you saying we can't like sci-fi now like why no, they, people- they, they play dumb yeah. they, they play and- dumb yeah, and notice she didn't. This, yeah, they and they didn't down. respond either because they knew that what they said was stupid. Because I was, yeah. I even went back to read. This, I guess even when people say things like that, I try to see where they could have misconstrued it. Yeah. And nowhere did that imply that you, as a black person, you couldn't like any of the things that were on that list. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, like these people, and, and, so and, and none of those frat- things in isolation were the issue. Like, yeah, it, <laughs> it's being repetitive and like using right. it as a crutch. Yeah. <laughs> That people are so fragile and afraid of not being affirmed like every 10 seconds. It's, but that's a whole different topic because then we'll get to complaining and it's supposed to be yeah. a positive show. So I'll, I'll, I'll say that for later. <laughs> but um, it was Walter Mosley, uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Uh, there's a Denzel movie version of it, but I had never yeah. seen the movie. Oh, that's my oh, shit. Oh, that came out a long time ago. Yeah, you know, like yeah. That book? I never saw the movie, but I said, let me try the book. And I got to say, that was just great writing. The writing is very terse and simple. Like he's not trying to be flamboyant with the metaphors and trying to let people know, hey, you know, I have a this degree or that degree for writing and let me show you my money's worth or whatever. Like he can use the most simple language. And one thing I hate doing, I hate using 
a white person to explain a black person's um, style. But unfortunately, I'm going to do it in this case because it's the closest example I could think of. But I'm not trying to say this person is a black version of this guy. But uh, when I used to read Ernest Hemingway, I used to like how Ernest Hemingway could make the prose really pop and sound smart and intelligent, but using regular one-syllable words. I think that's a very tough skill. Like someone like Vladimir uh, Nabokov, who did like Lolita, he does all these linguistic pyrotechnics that, you know, I think is very intellectual and and impressive, but it's almost easy to sound smart with all those words. But like someone like Ernest Hemingway can just use a terse, terse sentences and simple language and really show like mastery of craft. Like style wise, he's not much like, um, Ernest See, Hemingway. I, I don't like that shit though. So oh, that you, you I like it? very no. I like shit direct. I don't need all that extra shit. I want to know what the are, fuck happened. Are we saying you don't Come like on. all the pyrotechnic stuff? Yeah, I don't. That's what I mean. Yeah, I don't like all the flowery, extra wordy shit. I hate that shit. If I oh, yeah, 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 I agree. Me. I agree. I, I totally agree. And that's what I'm saying. I like about. And that's the thing. Is it's almost something to hide behind. Like you know, I don't want to just let uh my work show yeah the story show and um yeah this guy is similar to Hemingway in um that he has very simple direct prose but he makes it sound genius it's almost like the person that can cook incredibly but just using like five simple ingredients and a regular Mm -hmm. iron pan you know um and because they they understand what it takes to make the food good not to just dress it up yeah. And I want to make clear, I'm not saying that he's a black Hemingway because that would be belittling what makes him unique. He's very much his own writer. But I just felt you that, didn't uh, say that T, but you said <laughs> like you don't have yeah. to do this disclaimer. Like that's not at all what you said. I know, you but I said, guess so you are everybody. You were just, trying to describe yeah. his style and making and naming someone a lot of people have probably had to read growing up. That's all you did. You don't yeah, have to exactly. disclaim that. Like exactly. I, I know why you do it because mm-hmm. I do the same thing, but I'm listening to you. But I, I didn't even think that until you said it. Like you just put it in my head. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much bad faith uh, out there. Yeah, so I definitely like that. And uh, but something just else... before you move forward, mm-hmm. I think Go we should ahead. talk about that more because Walter oh, yeah, Mosley. Um, <clears throat> I really, I really like him a lot. Um, I haven't read all the stuff outside of the Devil. In, I haven't read anything other than Devil in the Blue Dress. And I only read oh, part. Oh, so, so you actually did read that one? Yeah, part oh, great. of it. I actually great. watched the movie though. <laughs> the movie is fucking great. Have you seen the movie yet, T? Uh, no, but I plan to uh, watch it because I just oh finished my god, the book. it's so great. Let me tell you something. Don Cheadle is a star, as far as I'm concerned. He's the star of that shit. Oh, I didn't um, know he was in it. Yes, 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 yes. He's the star to me. Um, that's one of my favorite movies. But one of the things I wanted to highlight about that um, movie, and I'm I'm trying to actually score an interview with Walter Mosley. So cross your fingers, guys. Um, oh, 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 to bring things full circle, I was watching uh, when I was watching season three of Snowfall yesterday. He's like some kind of executive producer or something on Snowfall. He contributes to it. He writes, I think. Yeah, which makes st- sense. Yeah, so everything is like He's full probably a consultant. Today. Yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> if you. The thing that I love the most about Devil in the Blue Dress is that it actually, again, just like I said about Narcos and Snowfall, it g- highlights the era and gives you the context of the era. So, for example, in the movie, they show you how all these Black people ended up in L.A. It's literally the second wave of the Great Migration. Um, and it's Black people moving in and they show you Central Avenue. Now, Central Avenue, I've talked to you guys about Central Avenue before. Central, the reason why we call where Black people live in L.A. now South Central isn't because it's actually South and Central of the city. It's South, but it's not Central. <clears throat> but um, it is a street called Central Avenue. 
which is on what we call the east side. So Central Avenue was where all the Black businesses were. The addresses were South Central Avenue. So you might have 10511 South Central Avenue. Those were all. I'm glad you said that, Vita, because what a lot of people don't know is most Black people did not grow up in the neighborhood where you live now. No, there were no Black people over here. Yeah, like there were no Black people allowed on this side of town. Yeah, exactly. In fact, they, they would, you know, basically try to get you arrested or lynch you, basically, if you come over on the side of town. So where we call South Central now wasn't at all what it was then in the 30s and 40s and 50s. So Central Avenue is where the Dunbar Hotel was. That's like the Celebrity Black Hotel. And you have to remember this, guys. If you are Black and you're a celebrity coming to L.A., you could make a film. They let you film in Hollywood. You, you could stay at a hotel in Hollywood. You couldn't do any recreation out there. You couldn't go to the nightclubs. You couldn't kick it in there. If you guys seen the Dorothy Dandridge movie, you remember how they treated her, right? Yeah. Um, so all the Black celebrities went to Central Avenue. That's where the Black-owned bars were. If you watch Devil in a Blue Dress, that's where that bar is, right? Um, <clears throat> they kind of talk about the raids, the police raids on Black businesses down there. And that's something that happened a lot. Um, so it's giving you the context of the era. It's not just the story of this mystery with Easy Rollins trying to figure out this murder mystery. And that's the style and that's the story. But it's also highlighting what was happening for Black people in that time, in that city, in, in, in that era. And I think a lot of TV shows lack that today. And one thing I preach about Snowfall and Narcos is that's present day shows. It does a great job. Um, shows like The Queen's Gambit is an example of it doing a bad job. <laughs> right. This one gives you a, a Walter Mosley, I think, and these other shows we've talked about give you a good context and a good history. So that's one of the things I appreciate about Devil in a Blue Dress is it gives you more than just this murder mystery. It's giving you a context of the era. Yeah. And I want to uh, say something to bring it back to Snowfall. Um, I'm looking now and he he does mostly does one or two episodes of Snowfall a season. He does two in season three the third one and the second to last one. I didn't get to the second to last episode of season three yet. I only got to halfway between season three, but in that first half, Kenny, you'll remember this. Uh, do you remember the scene where he going on that trip with Avi? It's a really good scene with the business trip, which I thought was one of the best uh, episodes of the batch that I saw. Uh, that was Walter Mosley. It showed showed you how smart Franklin was. He was very intelligent. So the writing in that episode is definitely set apart from a lot of the other uh, episodes. Yeah. And it makes sense that it's Walter Mosley because Walter, because it felt like something out of a a film noir novel, like characters like Avi and and international banks and all that stuff. That seemed like something that would be in, you know, a private detective or film noir type of type of thing. So, yeah, I think that's... uh, well, I like how everything is tying in, tying in together. If you not, we have a story of Walter Mosley using an air fryer. We can really tie it all in perfectly. But right. <laughs> the, the uh, but, but the other thing that I've been trying that I like surprisingly, and a friend of the show, uh, Michael R. Jackson, uh, put me onto this. But uh, Murder She Wrote. I never, ever, ever saw Murder She Wrote. I just like this is going to be a corny show about some old doddering old lady who's solving mysteries, like, you know, an Agatha Christie character or whatever. But it's a good, solid show. I was very surprised. Like, I'm so used to everything being prestige and deep and about trauma now. It's nice to see a show where it's like you watch for an hour and they put a lot of thought into making a nice, enjoyable one-hour mystery. And it it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it doesn't dumb itself down for its audience. And 
if you just want to watch like an hour at a time of let me just watch a mystery and see if I can uh, figure it out before the end of the hour. I'm like, they don't really make solid shows like that anymore, where the show is not trying to pretend to be groundbreaking. It's not trying to pretend to reinvent the wheel. It's not talking about trauma, 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 which I think could be a good thing to explore. But I don't want every drama to be about, be about trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want every or drama it to don't, be about Or if you're going to do it, make it subtle. It don't got to be this... Yeah. Like well, it doesn't have big... to be porn. It doesn't have to be trauma porn. Right. And that's what they're so used to these days yeah. that they want to put it in your face because there's an agenda. And they did that shit with uh, um, Lovecraft. Like, dude, okay, we get it. That's Emmett Till. All right. All right. Okay. And they don't I, I, teach you anything about it, too. Like, I don't, don't learn anything. About yeah, I don't mind if you want to talk about trauma, but as a way to kind of show, like, uh, how it affects people and how some people learn to deal with it or whatever. But they're just stuck in the fact that, hey, this exists and we're showing it to you. And that means that we're deep, but we don't have any actual meaningful things. But, you know, that's you how about. those people are in real life, though, too. Yeah. You what know what I mean, they don't the... really have anything to tell you. They'll just put a bunch of dead bodies in your in your front yard. Like, OK, what is this all about? <laughs> what know? are some shows that you guys like that you guys think tackled serious issues without making it like it is now? Like, it's not about waving this big flag. It's not about or even if it is, it's not it's not so obvious that it's corny. Uh, like, I, I think to, The Wire does a good job. Yeah, yeah, The Wire, I think, does a good job. That's a good one. Uh, I mentioned this uh, last episode, but I was watching this show. And like, again, this show is not an incredible show. But by today's standards of these new diversity shows, I thought it was much more nuanced than the other ones. But there's a show called Love Life and season two. And it's this black guy who works for a publishing office and he's going through his divorce. And then he's in the dating scene and he's getting remarried. And it has like the first episode I thought was going to be like trauma porn. I didn't want to finish watching it because now they have marriage trauma porn. We have these things like marriage story or scenes from a marriage or these <laughs> things where two married people are spiraling. And you have to sit through like their constant <laughs> fighting and, and you get drained by the end of it. Like, I don't know when this trend happened, but it was like three or four marriage TV shows or marriage marriage movies. So the first one has a marriage deteriorating. I'm like, oh my God, this is just going to be a bunch of dating trauma and stuff. Because now even like dating dramas are, but once you get past the first episode, it's a good show. Like it has its highs, it has its lows. And like the character grows, you can see him grow and he, he makes his missteps and goes back and i thought that was a good so he ends up in a happy relationship later and then his wife ends up in a happy relationship with his friend and he and his friend get into a fight about it but then he realizes that he has no right to get in his friend's way because his he didn't treat her right when they were married you know what i mean and it's um it was surprisingly mature and one scene that happened that i thought was really good that I thought was so much better than these other shows. Like these other shows, even when they kind of are like making fun of the character or self-deprecating, it's always a fake type of problems. Like the character, their problems are just there so that they can overcome it at the end and show that they're extra awesome. But what's interesting was he writes a whole book based on his life and and um and his experience with racism in the publishing world and whatever. He writes a novel. He used to be an editor of other people's novels. He's like, I want to write my own novel. What's great about it is for a lot of these other shows, the character, the main characters always in these diversity shows is always a stand-in for like whoever wrote the show. And everything yeah. they do is awesome. And they school all the white people that were racist to them. And they um, always have the right sassy thing to say to everybody. What's interesting is this guy writes the book and I'm ready for 
the book to be great and a smash hit and everything. But he writes the book and he shows it to his friend. And his friend's like, eh, this book's okay, but it's not really, I don't really see you in this book. This book is just fine. So then you think you can publish the book and it'll probably do fine. But, you know, I'll be honest, I think there's better in you. So he sits down with his um, wife slash baby mama. I say that because I'm not sure if they're married yet. Um, okay, Obviously, a lot of spoilers, so sorry. For people. <laughs> I was just I thinking, that, I was like, do I, I even got to watch this shit now? Yeah, what? I should have said that up front. <laughs> But, uh, oh, well, I already did this much. But but basically what happens is he's honest with himself. And he goes, you know what? I was writing a novel about who I wish I was. And uh, I was writing the guy that I am after an encounter happens. And I'm in the shower. And I think of the perfect thing that I should have said. And I'm writing myself saying that. I'm not writing the real me, the one that uh, messes things up, the one that is a coward sometimes, the one that should say something, but, you know, didn't and has guilt about it and everything. Like, I just wrote this as a protective mechanism to make myself seem awesome and perfect. This, this uh, character is a version of me. So then he sits down and goes back to the drawing board and redoes the whole novel. And then the novel is a success. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that is such a refreshing change from so many of these other shows where um, yeah. the person's like goofiness or faults are kind of like contrived and are Fake that's flatter- a, yeah. That's how I felt about the um Colin Kaepernick show. Because the show he had on Netflix, and if you ever saw it. Oh no, it was, I didn't it a, I didn't see it. The ad didn't look good to me, so I didn't try it. You know, I wasn't going to watch it, and then people kept telling me they want as usual, people were like, Oh, you have to watch it. I don't know what you think, you know. And sometimes I can get through the shit, and sometimes I can't. This was something I could get through. It actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. It was a lot better than I thought it was gonna be, to be honest with you. Um, but it still falls into a lot of the traps that we've talked about. But one of the key things that I did um I didn't like or I had an issue with was I felt like they tried to make him too perfect. Yeah, um, a lot of and, these shows do that. And I felt like, I mean, I get it. I, I would have respected it more if it felt like it was, I'll give you an example. There's a scene, um, there's a storyline where he's into this girl um, and she's a dark-skinned black girl, very pretty girl. And um, he's, now mind you, he's out of school. I want to say it's like mixed black and white. Um, and so he is um, interested in this girl. His friend who's black likes white girls and doesn't understand why he's interested in this black girl. So he ends up dating this black girl, um, t- wants to take her to prom and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> um, and everything is supposed to be sort of like him battling the things like his mom wanting him to pick a different girl to go out with and that kind of thing. Well, it, it, they keep dating and eventually they um, something happens where he has to move um, or he's like, oh, I'm sorry, he's not spending as much time with her because he's involved in football and that's like his entire life. So she gets, she's kind of like, well, basically like, you don't have any time for me. So I'm going to do other shit. Right. So she starts dating somebody else and he has a problem with it to some degree. But the way that they have these kids handling the dating is like, so not high school. Like they're so mature. They have this sit down conversation and, you know, good luck. You know, I'm like, I ain't never met teenagers <laughs> who worked out drama like that. You didn't tell me he didn't get mad and overreact, you know, like something that would have yeah, made more yeah. sense. Yeah, it sounds fake as hell. Like I mean, it would have made more sense if he, if they had a whole big blow up and then some, he did some dumb shit and then she did some dumb shit. And then in the end, they reconciled and then moved on. But it was none of that. It was like handled way too mature for it to be high school kids. I'm going to tell, tell you why they did that. A lot of adults don't even handle I'm going to tell you why they did that. Right. Because Colin Kaepernick is so deep into the SJW crowd, if he would have overreacted, they would have made him out to be the black part of black men are trash. Right. That's why they didn't do it. Look at how he treated the dark skinned girl. Exactly. 
Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And, and he needs that audience now more than ever. But I just wanted to give an example of what you were talking about on the end, like what that looks like when it's making the character so perfect, then it just comes off as not realistic and not relatable. So when you have a, something written where, you know, you can see the faults, like I like the way that you described the show that you were talking about love life. And um, <clears throat> I like that they had this character going through that process. So not only does the character have to grow and develop you're you're watching him grow and develop through his own writing which is really dope i wish these real writers in real life could do that yeah for, yeah for sure for sure and and to be clear like i'm not saying this is gonna be like mind-blowing mind-blowingly good like some other shows but it was at least trying and that's what like you know it didn't always stick the landing what it was trying to do but i felt like okay this is a show that's actually trying to be mature like it's actually you know take someone, a different approach to something. Yeah, yeah, the, the people who worked on the show obviously lived through some things that they learned through and are trying to communicate life lessons in their characters and uh naturalistic uh honest way not like people where you watch it you know okay you have no insight into yourself at all based on this cookie cutter thing that you're that you're trying to write that's one of the reasons why we have that bingo sheet because we want to show that a lot of people aren't really writing from within they're just writing using uh, like, like mad libs they're just full in the yeah. blank um tropes and everything so so yeah i mean i definitely feel like the people who did that show if they kept working on more shows uh it would get better and better you know and it probably just needs also the right type of support because sometimes that's the problem with shows is not so much that the people don't have the right idea that are working on it but when the network doesn't really give you the funding or the support that you need it can make it really difficult to execute something that's really on point you know so that's the other thing I think what also uh, doesn't help the show is that it's about a straight black man and uh he starts off he starts off with a white wife but by the end he ends up with a black woman and stuff but i got a feeling that just the fact that it starts off about a straight black man and is sympathetic to him and he's like married to a white woman i think that probably hurt it too because i felt like if it was um about like a black woman with natural hair and like her spunky friends, I think at least online, there would have been a lot more buzz from the representation crowd. I noticed the representation crowd did not touch this show at all. Like I was very surprised. So hmm. It has all the ingredients. It's diverse. It takes place in a big city with a lot of liberals. It takes place in New York, right? It, it's in Brooklyn. It has a lot of media references because the guy works in media. Like it had all the ingredients of say like an insecure, except it was to me more maturely written. And mm. zero buzz. And I, I have a feeling, I don't want to sound conspiratorial, but I got a feeling that I'm not saying people were conspiring against the show, but I feel like they might not even have given it a chance because all the posters were of this black guy uh, sitting yeah. on the train. Uh, yeah. I, I well, see, I don't really be watching dramas, but if I don't like the way someone looks on a poster, I'm probably not going to watch it. But yeah. I didn't really understand what it was about. So I remember seeing like a poster or something for it or an ad for it, but I didn't know what it was about. So I kind of just moved on. Um, and I'm not one of the people who who will watch something like, oh, let me check it out because there's black people in it. I don't care. If it doesn't look interesting, yeah. I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. See, in your case, though, I feel like if it was just a black woman sitting on the train, staring off in the <laughs> nah, same pose, you would have behaved the same way. Like, you know, <laughs> right. So for you, I think it's a consistency to it. Yeah. And I was going to actually say that about all of us, though. I think if you, uh, in listening to you guys describe what you like, it's very similar into how I look at things that I like. I think we like specific things um, to take place in the show that we're watching or something that we're into because I don't think we're haters. I just think there's so much stuff that isn't well done 
that people are getting praised for that we're just like, wait, how is this possible when there's all these other good things that are way better and they have these actual elements that make something good? And I and I think, like you said, like, I, I think I'm very consistent. I think you guys are pretty consistent too, um, to the point where I I would think most people would know what I what I would like and what I wouldn't like. I I would think that. I but know where you're be, going with this. <laughs> it's but so you, true. But you'd be surprised. People are like, oh, you'll love this. It's, there's black people in it and they do this thing and then you watch it and it's like some total SJW bullshit. Yeah. And you're like, have you been paying attention at all? Some of these people <laughs> be day one Champion Sharks fans. And they'll recommend something. I'm like, how do you watch? Uh, you know, <laughs> what? Because I don't think people fully understand the details of to us that makes something good, you know? It, but they'll think like, oh, well, this fits all the elements of what I think they like. They're pro-black. Okay, check. You know, and it's just like, just because there's black people in it to me doesn't make it pro-black. Just because they're talking about black politics doesn't make it pro-black. It also doesn't make it interesting. You know, even if it is pro-black, it don't make yeah, it good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some things are, are genuinely pro-black, but they're just, just boring. Right. It's just not good. And I'm not going to sit there and watch that shit. But I would just assume most people would have a clear understanding of what my interests were, especially when I look at things like, um, like people recommend shit to me like, uh, what was that sh- the passing with uh that white girl? Not white girl. The the show was about the girl trying to pass for white. What's the girl? Uh, Tessa Ruth, Thompson. Ruth Nigger and Tessa Thompson. Yeah. And I was like, what about me made y'all think I would want to watch this? Like, I-, I was so confused. And then I had one friend, though. She knew off top because we it was like on Facebook. I had to, uh, three of my friends, like my actual friends, not people like not Internet friends, like my friends. I'd like, no. Um, my ex-roommate was trying to was talking about it. She was like, I want to see. I want you to watch it. And then my two, one of my other homegirls was like, no, I already know she's not going to like it. Like, I, I know. But, she, but that friend also follows me on Twitter. So she probably knows exactly <laughs> what I don't like. But some people, I don't think, I, I'm just surprised sometimes. Like, how, what made you think I would be interested in this? Oh, I got you this thing because it has Michelle Obama on it. What? Like, I've literally <laughs> had people get me a gift because it had the Obamas on it. And I'm black. So clearly I must like this shit. Yeah, people do that stuff all the time. They recommend stuff. And I'm like, what are you even thinking with this one? Like someone recommended this YouTuber to me uh well, a couple people a couple people recommended this guy uh his name is like fd signifier on youtube and then i tuned in the guy is just a total like panderer to like intersectional feminists and sjw's and what? all this stuff and <laughs> talk about toxic masculinity all day i was like why do you guys think i was gonna like this guy he's so interesting and yeah yeah so that's a recent right. example um i can think of you know something that i actually think was kind of like maybe a little bad and corny but somehow I liked it is um there's a show called Grand Crew. Oh the yeah, first, you were telling me yeah, about that. The first episode is super corny. And I was like, I am never gonna watch this show again. But it auto-loaded. So the second <laughs> episode get you. Yeah, it was a little bit better, but it was still like corny. It's like it's about these like bougie black people that hang out together. But by the third episode, it actually I actually found myself laughing and I was like well, first of all, that's dangerous in this day and age to let your show be bad for like two episodes, you know, because a lot of people with all this content, they're not going to come back, whatever. But I can't say it's good, but I'm going to keep watching. But something, but you know what I like about the show? It has a good heart. Like it doesn't come on and it doesn't have a bunch of like um, black excellence talk and all this talk. The first episode kind of had that, but you can tell the first episode was a pilot that they changed a lot of stuff on because uh, I read there's a break between a pilot and when it was picked up and it seems like they changed some staff or something. So the first one is about, you know, black men cry too, black men aren't just thugs and all this kind of corny stuff that I didn't like. And then the second one throws that to the side. It just tries to tell comedy. 
And it's a little goofy. It's a little wholesome. It has like no edge to it, really. But I just like a show where the people, you can tell, are just trying to make good jokes. They don't, it's not the best jokes I've ever seen, but the actors are good. The, um, it has like a good heart. And I can see an improvement from first to second to third. So even if it started out corny, the fact that they're trying makes me want to see if they succeed in getting better. You know what I mean? So like people think that a show's got to be amazing for me to like it. Like, oh, you must only like shows that are like 11 out of 10 or like flawless. But I'm like, no, like there's a lot of shows that I, I like that I know aren't groundbreaking, super artsy shows. But I get the feeling that they're making an effort and it's a nice piece of escapism. So, yeah, I'm curious to see where Grand Crew goes, but I will warn anybody who's watching it. The first two episodes are super, super corny. So if you try it, don't be like, what the hell is T on? Like, the first two are corny, <laughs> and I know that they're corny. But the third one onward, I think it gets a little better. See, that sounds interesting, because I definitely would probably not watch it just off the title of Men Cry 2 or whatever it was. Like, I, I just it just sounds SJW-ish to me. Yeah, it wasn't too SAW-ish, but also it didn't have that thing where a lot of Black Excellence shows be like, hey, so how'd you do with the firm today, Monica? Hey, your girl just, you know, won another million-dollar case. Oh, that's great. And Tom, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, I just built my fifth. You know, like, it didn't have that fake. It didn't have the SAW in this, but it also doesn't okay. have that fake over-the-top Black Excellence. Like, like they're all, like, professionals or whatever. Um, One of them didn't go to college, but he's smart and he you know, works hard, but they don't overdo like, hey, black people can be successful too. Let's keep talking about how successful everybody is 24-7. Like it's not, yeah, it's not that either. It's just a corny little network show that occasionally <laughs> will deliver you a good laugh. Okay. You know what? I was watching reruns of um Living Single. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I have this habit of watching old shows. And so I was watching uh, binging on Living Single and it was like occurring to me how genius that show really was like I, I really trip off of that like I was like you don't really think about how good something is until you really see how bad everything else is now yeah and that's so true <laughs> so I'm watching it and I'm it, everything we talked about regarding that show and the different characters was spot on but also they did a good job of showing us those characters without making us dislike those characters you know what i mean like yeah. i think it's also a good example of a show that improved like it was okay when it started it wasn't bad but and it got great lately. it got great like they really improved that show as it went on they got funnier the characters began to get really you began, you began to understand the characters decisions better they also touched on issues without making it um to me too corny and without making it SJW-ish, right? So, like, there's even there's an episode of Kyle and there's an issue with his hair. A black, um, a black supervisor or a black executive tells him he needs to do something about his hair. And then he starts going back and forth about what he should do about his hair because you know Kyle has like those locks or twists or something, and so. It, it, he ends up not doing something that turned out the white people didn't give a fuck nothing about that shit it was the black guys who was trying to tell him that shit mm. then you think about like all the bougie black people who think they who who are more racist championing um like respectability politics and all this other dumb shit that white people didn't even ask them to do they just started doing this shit you know um and then they also talk about mental health they talk about Khadija Khadija's the character in the show who has like you know the most sense so to speak but um, she's always helping everybody else. And it turned out, you realize she, nobody else is helping her. 
And mm. so she ends up in therapy. And she real and she was ashamed to go because she was like, I'm the person that, that takes care of everybody else. How am I in therapy? You know? Um, and, and she turns out she was depressed. And we never have any, we don't have this whole de- dramatic thing about her being depressed. In fact, you don't even know Khadija's de- depressed until she goes to therapy. And you're like, girl, you need to take a vacation. You're depressed, you know? And and, and they can find a way to do that without making the comedies screech to a halt. Like, yeah, because that plot line, they would totally do it now, but it would be very didactic and it would have a bunch of bad buzzwords and stuff, you know, exactly. and someone would read somebody a bell hooks quote, you know, <laughs> and and it would just be very uh, cliched and heavy handed. But, you know, they, they always remember no matter what we're talking about, uh, we're a comedy. So we yeah. still make it and they were and they were able to make it funny. And while also she's hitting all the points that we, those of us who advocate for, you know, mental wellness in the black community, she hit all those points, the things that black people say. Now, I don't need therapy. I go to church, you know, Um, she's hitting all the, you know, the shame of, you know, older people, the older generation, not understanding why she needs therapy or even her friends not understanding, like, what do you mean? What do you need therapy for? Like, what's wrong with you? You know, especially back in the 90s. I remember this is the 90s. This isn't now. Like now that wouldn't seem that groundbreaking so to speak but back uh, then that wasn't a big conversation something different about how they probably did it too mm-hmm. was today if they had the um less enlightened black people saying stuff like that it would have uh been much more gentle of them for not getting uh therapy but like like those old shows they can kind of show like bad tendencies of the black community without making them into like these uh regressive cavemen like or monsters like you know what i mean like they're just right people who just weren't exposed to that like it doesn't make them bad people or um part of the problem or whatever or like uh oppressors within the community for not getting it but like they would so caricature the people judging therapy in one of these new shows i feel in a way that um this one this one wouldn't and that's something that i miss from from these things like that the people who are not on board with the level of um supposed enlightenment or education as the protagonists are always uh reduced to like unsympathetic caricatures a lot right like there's like they're the worst people on earth they become yeah. the enemy and it's very polarizing right that was nothing i was gonna say i like shows that give you nuance i hate shows where there's bad guys and good guys i just think we should have evolved past that in our writing at this point I like shows that show me how the characters got to be the way they are. You don't just overnight become a bad guy, yeah. right? So, like, show me how these characters got to be there. Like, or at least help, at least have some sort of, a, you know, dialogue in there that references, like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, yeah, after that traumatic incident, this happened. You know what I mean? Versus just making it like this person's just an asshole for no reason and just evil. Um, also don't like it when they try to make people... They reduce people down to being like, it's the same thing to do on social media. You know, you're a bad person if you think this way, say this thing, you know, as opposed to seeing like some people just uneducated on certain shit. You know what I mean? Um, And that's not to say that, um, well, no, fuck that. It's just to say, (laughs) I got no disclaimer. Um, The reality is that, you know, a lot of people or all people have varying types of opinions on a lot of different things. And it might not be for the reasons you think that, it might be, but that's how they portray everything. Like every, if a person has an issue with something, like I'll give you an example on Living Single, there's an episode where um, Max has an issue with her old roommate from college because uh, when she comes to visit her, she tells her they're getting engaged and have an engagement party, all this stuff about, you know, her old roommates, you know, um, 
new person, new uh, fiance. Turns out it's a woman, right? And so it becomes an issue. But the issue wasn't the girl being a lesbian. We got into the deeper issue. The issue was Max felt like, how did everybody else know and not me? You're my best friend. You know, what? what is it? And so it was like, oh, shit. And then on top of that, come to find out the girl was in love with her and didn't know how to talk about it, you know, but still what wanted but valued their friendship way more. And I was like, wow, that was an actual good conversation without it turning into, oh, Max is a homophobe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Understanding her pain of trying to understand, you know, like, hey, you're my friend. Like you told all these people, everybody knew around me and I didn't even know. And then you get into why the friend didn't tell her. Oh, shit. That's actually a pretty good reason. <laughs> you know, um, here is the big challenge for us. I don't know if we can do it, but I would love to do this. I would love to escalate your challenge to find positive things. Try to find something by an SJW type that is positive. Because I was wondering, social justice influencer stuff have to be bad. Is there something inherent about being from that <laughs> camp that blocks you from doing good work? Like, I mean... Is there a way to just name drop Bell Hooks and Audre Lorde and, you know, this whole politics, but still write good, nuanced stuff? And I like to think it's possible. We just haven't uh, seen it yet. Or maybe no one's giving an incentive to them to do it because no one's holding them to a higher standard. Like if they had like people who were just kind of telling them, hey, this is not ready for prime time. Here are some notes. Uh, Go back to the drawing board on this or give them tough love. If they could come back. Uh, and I was wondering what you guys think about That's... that. Like the closest I've come yet is that show Love Life. But even that one is not totally in the woke camp. It's not totally SJW. It just has some of that in it. But, you know, I don't think it's fair to kind of call it that. I mean, the, the most obnoxious thing they had is uh, there's a there's a daughter that's born and they name her Audrey, like after Audrey Lord. And I thought that was a little corny. But other than that, it, um, it wasn't too heavy handed, but I was wondering if you guys have ever come across something that one could argue is clearly well, with that agenda, but still managed to be competently done. Well, I mean, the hard part is like you wouldn't know unless it was heavy handed because that's what mm. they do. You know, that's, that's true. Um, I think and also I also want to be clear that it's not even just relegated to black shows. I think people think that's just black shows. No, white liberal shows do that same shit. And it's so yeah, fucking totally. corny. They usually do it around feminism or something like that. It's they don't really have any real depth to it. They just want to make sure that we all know that this is a liberal space. I think a lot of the white shows do that too. But I think white shows shows do a worse thing. They do that corny dialogue thing that I hate, where I have to sit there and rewind it five times to figure out what the fuck they're saying. Um, that's something I really can't stand because it's like well, I'm trying to be too clever with the dialogue or something. But they're way too clever to the point where it, you takes you a second to even understand what the fuck they're talking about. Like, I feel like that was Succession. And I like Succession. I know you stopped watching it the third season. I actually think it gets better the further oh, oh, to the third oh, oh, season. Oh, no, I jumped back into it and I became a fan. The, the third season, I thought they were taking too long to return to the plot lines of season two. But around the time that Kendall had the party, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I thought they redeemed the rest of the season very well. I actually ended up liking the season a lot by the time it was done. Oh, okay, yeah. And, I, and it was funny because I had stopped watching it around that time too. Then I got back into it um, and I'm glad I did. But they do they do do this thing with the dialogue that I find really annoying where I don't always understand what the fuck they're talking about. Yeah. And, they have the, and they have way too many incest jokes that I don't get. Like, I'm like, why are they obsessed with these incestuous jokes? Like, I don't... Yeah, yeah especially with that guy, Roman. They 
Have a yeah, but the sister too. Room. The sister does the shit too. And it's just yeah. fucking weird. And I'm just like, yo, what's up with you niggas and the who wrote this shit? Like I it was funny maybe once, and and that's a big maybe, but then it was just like constant. Like I do get some of the metaphors they're trying to say, especially with Roman's attachment to his dad, but it was still uh, it was so weird, you know. My theory is that because they're rich and they're made to me to kind of represent like royalty. There was a lot of incestuous relationships because, you know, they were so high bred and whatever that a lot of times only your relatives were. Um, yeah. And the they're past. English. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's kind of based on like there's this um, play. There's also been to a movie uh, with Catherine Hepper and Anthony Hopkins and Peter O'Toole called Lion in Winter. And it's the exact same plot as Succession. Uh, really? He, he has it's really good British movie, but it takes place. I forget which king it was. I think it's Henry the Fourth or something. I, I forget. It's one of the older Henrys before Henry the Eighth. But Lion Winter. Uh, there's a 1968 film version, and um, let me get the exact king name cor- correctly. But what's it's the Henry name of the Lion of Winter? The Lion in Winter, oh. and it's a uh, Henry. The second, but lion in winter, a lion in winter is like he was a lion, but he's approaching the end of his life. So that's the winter Like he's getting old. So he's uh, in winter and Timothy Dalton is in it as well. Um, He's he's trying to figure out which of his kids he's going to give his kingdom to. And all the kings, all the kids are scheming and backstabbing and and um, pandering to their father to be chosen as king and empire has the same plot too if you you think about it i think both empire and succession both lean on lion and winter but everybody always assumes that it's king lear because king lear is the more famous one but i think both of them actually um are more taken from lion lion and winter and those old british royalty families used to have a lot of like uh incest not brother and sister and mother but you know cousins and all types of weird like Oedipal um, attachments and all this stuff. So yeah. I think that's what they're going for. By the end of the day, you're taking place in modern day America. So that does not yeah. translate well at all. A- at all. And um, it, some, like I sometimes like think they're trying to make, like they're all, that's maybe that's what it is. They're always trying to make this metaphorical dialogue point in all their dialogue. And it's really hard sometimes to understand, especially if you don't always get their jokes. Um, Cause they're very white jokes too. <laughs> so I'm yeah. just like, you know, I don't get it. Like, what is your point? And so sometimes I've had to go back and watch scenes again and like, okay, what the hell are they telling? Trying to, like, what are they saying here? Um, but I do overall like the show. So I, we can put that on the ding like list, things that Champagne Sharks likes. Um, <laughs> Cause I actually do like uh, Succession overall. I think it's really good as far as the story. Um, the dad is probably my favorite character. He's the biggest asshole, but he's like the most likable character to me. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and he says, and he says the most uh, shrewd things. Like he's a very good reader of human nature. And I think in, in a realistic way, like I really like it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's not a good guy at all in the show, but he's um, he to me, he has the most sense. His daughter gets on my nerves. I, and it's funny because I liked when um, there was a character that came. I forgot she was in, uh, she was uh, the CEO of the other uh, Pierce news group. And when, she, when he was messing with her, she said and he was asking her, like, who do you think I should leave the, you know, business to and the way she described each of the kids i thought was pretty spot on um because i think what's that girl shiv funny enough we have the same name um she said 
I don't know. She just always, she thinks she's smarter than she is. And that's what the character said. And I was like, that's exactly, exactly how she, how she gets on my nerves. Cause she thinks she's so smart, but she does the dumbest shit. Right. Like she has, she tries to force her dad to make an announcement before it was time to make an announcement. And she ends up making the announcement and it ends up blowing up, blowing everything because she's an idiot, you know? Um, but I like those kind of things in stories where I have a character that I don't, I can't really fully like, you know? Um, but in general, it's a good show. I actually really dig that show a lot. I'm trying to think if there's another show that I would recommend other than that, that I watch regularly. No. <laughs> like I said, I don't watch that much shit. Dark um, Side of the Ring is good. I like that. So if you guys haven't seen that, definitely watch that. Something else that I've started liking, but it's too early to tell. I tried this show called Yellowstone because I'm curious about this show because it's been on four years and it gets no buzz. Like you don't talk about it on social media or anything. Is it about a park? Um, no, I don't even sure no. why it's called Yellowstone to be sure, but it's about this landowner uh, played by Kevin Costner and his kids. And it also has one of those succession type of uh, empire type of things where it's like a powerful man and his kids and whatever. And one is like a lawyer. One is like, he has a daughter, but the daughter is like a shark like him and whatever. But mm-hmm. it's rural. It's just in Montana. And he's kind of like a cowboy. There's like ranchers. There's um in- indigenous Americans and different things. But I've only seen one episode and it's all, it's all set up. What's interesting oh. about this show, right? You never talk about these shows that are like, um, Lovecraft Country or Watchmen, where it's all buzz, all Emmys, think pieces left and right. Then you look at the ratings and it's like 200,000, 300,000, 400,000 viewers, maybe like 100,000. Like Black Lady Sketch Show gets all these uh, raves and you look and it's like 120,000 viewers or something. This thing gets no buzz. And the season finale of season four was uh 10 million plus viewers. Wow. I never heard of this show till this no, very I didn't hear moment. About it either. But I'm um, looking at the yeah. reviews. It says it's like Google users give it a 90% and on Rotten Tomatoes it's like 80 something percent and it's got like eight stars and and what's crazy is I looked up the ratings and eight point every... eight stars. It's damn near nine stars. <laughs> yeah. Every year and not just every year but within the season the ratings keep going up because people just use word of mouth. Like the critics don't talk about it. The think piece writers don't talk about it, but people like the show so much that they just keep telling their friends and family. So by the end, and it's not on a major network, usually to get that many million viewers, it's been a major network. It airs on Paramount Plus. It's a streaming service I never even heard of. I never even heard of the place to watch it, much less the show itself. Um, I might have and, to get that shit because it yeah. looks like it's good. It's, 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 oh, it's on Peacock too. I got Peacock. Yeah, it's on it's on Peacock. They made a deal with Peacock to air the old ones. And then oh, so good. the first three seasons are on Peacock, but the new ones I think are on Paramount Plus and now Hulu. But I only watched the first episode of the first season and it's good so far. It's too early for me to say if it's worth all the hype or not, but I didn't. There is it. no hype. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there, there, is, there is no hype but to go up every year and not just every year but within the season like they'll say like the finale of each season like we'll get higher ratings in the first episode of that season as far as live views oh you know? wow yeah so yeah it I mean, says a lot especially yeah, in this day and age yeah exactly and that kind of shows like if we just write i used to i, I was thinking if you just write a good show um without any gimmicks or social it, justice thing uh it's not going to work in this climate but no i'm i'm wrong oh something else that about that show that defies conventional wisdom to me too. It's one of the few shows I've tried lately. I'm used to watching shows, even shows I like that are good while multitasking. And this show, I was trying to like text and tweet while I was watching it. 
and I kept missing information. So I had to stop and just pay attention. So it's one of the few shows that I've seen recently that actually required me to give it my full attention as opposed to like a lot of other shows that even when I like them, I can watch it with, you know, half my brain and still yep. track it. I want to I want to try out um Yellowstone and it doesn't look like anything I'd like. I won't lie to you, but I'm, I'm I am curious to know because I don't like westerns and shit that look like westerns and I don't like nothing like that. The only thing I can say I like that's like that is Little House on the Prairie. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I don't like that shit. So I would have to um give it a try though because it looks like it's people are really raving about it. And honestly, when I see I, I watch things that have six and seven stars and think they're good. Um, but I rarely see things that have um eight and nine stars at all. So. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm interested in seeing how good this is, especially, especially something I've never heard of until literally five minutes ago when you brought it up. Even the articles about it are basically like no one's talking about this show. Why is it making such high ratings? Like all the articles recently like start off like that. Like this show with zero buzz is quietly killing all the uh competition well, because that's probably that's what their pr that's what the pr people for the show told everybody to write that's why yeah. they all do that but it's probably true i mean it's true yeah. so mm-hmm. it's easy to push it but the, exactly. the, the reason why they all say is because the pr person said hey nobody's talking about this show you should write about it <laughs> look at all these ratings yeah so something else that happens too is even if it's not coming from pr i notice a lot of writers look at what other writers are doing and just copy them so it's either the PR people or one person wrote the article and <laughs> they all just do the same the same thing and just Google what other people are writing about. Which it. is so funny because it's like, that means all you niggas is late and you're, all y'all are supposed to be journalists. So what does that tell you? And I think another reason why they're probably scared to cover it is because by covering it, they're actually covering their own obsolescence because there's two hidden stories in that. One is that all these blue check pundits and think piece writers can't make a show happen. And that's been shown over and over again, how even at the end, with all the praising of, um, I hate using the same examples over and over, but they're just the most prominent ones. But Watchmen, Lovecraft, uh, Insecure, Euphoria, for all this excessive coverage, they can barely push these shows um, past the 500,000 mark, maybe an occasional like 1 million if they're lucky. And so their excessive coverage and brown nosing can't make a show happen but they're ignoring you, which is the other power of a powerful critic. You know, I have the power to make you by by giving you attention or break you by ignoring you. They're ignoring is also equally impotent because shows that they're ignoring are crushing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, you know, it's funny that you said that because I, I think about that, too, because then what is the relevance of these writers if they're not even getting these shows to be successful? If that's yeah. what they're supposed, if, if it, clearly they don't matter that much, <laughs> like you yeah. said, like um, they can't get the show to be successful. They can't get a show they ignore to be a failure. But then the third thing which would work, right, is let's say you can't do those things. At least if you can give a good analysis that can make up for it, as in like, hey, you can't make or break a show, but I can at least read you and get some good insight. But they're not even good for that because they're all just basically shills. They're all, like you said, typing up the press release and trying to audition for a job with the writers of these shows. So they're like, yeah. triple, they're like triple useless. And that they kiss ass. And the the fact that they feel like they have to write these things from this, and they're, they're going to inter, interject their SJW perspective. They're going to. And that's another thing. It's like they try to analyze everything through this lens that I think isn't realistic for most people. Like it doesn't matter how much SJW shit you put in your stuff. At the end of the day, 
I don't care what niggas is telling you on Twitter. I don't care how many likes you get on Twitter, how many retweets. All them niggas is lying. Because what are they watching, yep. right? What are they actually going to sit up and watch? Not the shit you talking about. They're going to watch all the shit that's just good. It just has to be interesting. It has to be well-written. They don't care if it's SJW or not. They don't care if, about none of that shit. Is it good? Can yep. I get into the story? I don't care yeah. how many life lessons you put in this shit. Because if it's funny, it's funny. Niggas don't care. If it's dramatic and it's interesting, people, niggas don't care. If it's action-packed and exciting, niggas don't care. They don't care about none of that other shit. They don't care about those things. You know what I, I mean? I totally agree. And uh, I think I want to end it here because I think this is a nice, tight episode. So I think this is a good place to end it. And what I want to do is this. Let us know if you like this, because a lot of times people say they want something, then we give it to them and then it doesn't get a reaction. So if you like, I mean, we're still going to do what Vita said of mentioning uh, things we like at the end of each episode. But as far as a whole wall to wall episode on things that we like uh you know let us know how you like this i think we should keep doing it you know like oh one last thing i'll say is uh yoga i did yoga yesterday and that was really good as well like my whole body just turned to like jelly when i was done and i was like super relaxed that's why i was supposed to stream with you last night and then when i got home like you know i just felt like super um good so it's so funny because I'm just thinking about what all the hyper masculinity guys are gonna think about you. Yeah, no, I was he's supposed right. all he's supposed to do is punch it and eat <laughs> steak and potatoes. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to um the gym and I tried it. It was it was pretty it was pretty good. And also, you know what? It works with the other stuff because if you do if you do like heavy weightlifting, if you do heavy weightlifting, it actually undoes all the knots. So yeah. uh, for, for people who think, oh, like uh, you should just punch stuff and all that stuff, it actually will help you um, get back to the gym to go back to punching stuff, <laughs> punching stuff uh, the next day. So that's another way to look at it. But I'll yeah. save that for another episode. Good show. Well, that's all I had. I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. Thanks again, as usual. Kenny sends his regards to you know the audience. I know uh, he wasn't able to come back in time. But uh, yeah, we should do one of these a month. I think it'll be a nice palate cleanser from uh, <laughs> having to deal with bad stuff all the time. And let me know if you like Yellowstone or not. I'll do the same with you. Maybe we can even do a whole a whole show on it because there's four whole seasons of it at this point. Well, how far into it are you? I literally only watched the first episode. So. Oh, uh, good. So I have time. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It. Exactly. Okay. It, this will be like months from now anyway. For sure. We need All to right. do another white canon one. But I'm sure the audience yeah, is waiting I, for that. I'm way overdue for that. Yeah, you're Yeah, you're right. You know what? I'm going to send I'm going to send out some invites for that. Th- thank you for reminding me. Yeah. So we're going to do that as well. OK, cool. Take care. For sure.